0: Greetings to all of God's people, this is Mordecai Joseph, we are now today in lesson 94, and we find ourselves in Romans 11 and verse 11, and this is where we stopped last time. Let's uh, go back to verse 9, where Paul is saying, as David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap stumbling block, and a recompense to them, let their eyes be darkened, so that they do not see, and bow down their, their back always. Now, David was speaking about their, his enemies in particular, and yet, that was an age, unfortunately, where the children of Israel were not righteous, they were not obedient, as they should have been. Now and then, God had to punish them. And several of the wars at the head at the time were directly uh, linked to that, as you can read in 2 uh, Samuel at the end there, where we read that God was angry with Israel, and therefore he moved David to count Israel. And in the process, later on, uh, many of them were being plagued. But David is speaking in general, and he's quoting here, Instead of mind of men. And here we are we're speaking obviously about the, the people of God. And in essence for their protection, as I mentioned earlier, God had blinded them and concluded them in unbelief. So he would not have to hold them accountable. And it's not because they were innocent. They were not innocent. But it is because of the grace and the mercy of God that he did not want them to be in a condition where he's going to have to hold them accountable and totally cut them off from his sight. And so, verse 11, uh, Paul says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. In other words, the stumbling that came upon them, because of their iniquity, was not in order to destroy them and cut them off. That's not the nature of God. That's the nature of men. Men would react like that, but not God, and that's what some people, uh, a lot of people, as a matter of fact, are forgetting. Now the God of Israel is so merciful. His His uh, mercy and His grace and His compassion and His long-suffering are so profound that He can take an awful lot from Israel and still bring them back to Himself. And yet, people don't think that way. And so, they think humanly, well, when people behave like that, who wants them? Let's get rid of them. And so, they think well, that's the way God feels. And therefore, when He's angry with His people, He just says, well... I'll go somewhere else and forget about you. And that's in essence the attitude that people developed about the people of God. And yet God never felt that way about them. And that's what Paul is saying here. Have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So he's making it very plain. The reason why God is now going to the nations and grafting some, not all of them, he's not going to the nations and grafting the nations, And calling the nations and forgetting about his own people. That's a part of the counterfeit deception. He's not doing that. He's just going there and getting few of them. Just individuals. Out of them. Not the nations. And he's doing it in order to anger his own people. And to cause them to envy and to jealousy. So that they would return to him. And that was the purpose. And Paul makes it very plain. And he said, For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch... As I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. In other words, I'm explaining to you, what is my ministry all about? Verse 14. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. And so as he does a mighty work among the nations, among the Gentiles, the ultimate purpose of it, he makes it very plain. That's the way God sent him to accomplish that purpose. With that in mind to provoke his own nation and his own people to jealousy, to bring them back to himself. And when people totally forget that, they just don't understand at all the identity of the church of God and the people of God and theirs, and the swallow in essence, the lie of the Gentiles, of the counterfeit church, that God forsook his people. He put down Israel. He picked up the church. Now made of all the nations of the earth. That's not the church. The church is not made of all the nations of the earth. The church is still Israel, and into Israel some individuals from other nations are being grafted, and they too become Israel. But God had no intention whatsoever of replacing Israel with a gent- Gentile church, or with a church that is made of all the nations of the earth. That's one of the lies, the major lies that was being taught by the counterfeit church, and to this very day people believe it, even those who are people of God. The majority of them still believe this lie, without even realizing it they're not reading the scriptures very plainly. And Paul makes it very plain. To people who are ignorant, and we should not be ignorant. We should know better than that. And so he says, If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them, for if their being cast away is the recon- reconciling of the world. You see? By casting them away, God is opening the door now to the nations to come. But also, you have to to realize at the same time, Paul at this point still believes, like all the other apostles, that Christ was coming in their day. So he thought the fulfillment of the calling of all the nations of the earth is happening in his day, just like the calling back of all of Israel and the saving of all of Israel will happen in his day. And so he's making certain statements with that in mind. And so you have to understand it also from that point of view. Because God was certainly not calling all the nations of the earth at that time. And he's not calling back all of Israel at the same time either. That's coming in the future. But nevertheless, that's the process. Even today, when God is going to bring the great tribulation on Jacob, the trouble of Jacob, he's going at the same time to open the door for all nations to also respond. And so, the coming of Christ, and after the day of the Lord, you read about the multitudes without number from all tongues and all languages and all nations of the earth who will be coming to God, returning to God, repenting of their sins and iniquities, acknowledging their lies, and becoming the people of God. But not, not, they are not going to be the church of God. In other words, they are not going to be the wife of God. They are not going to be the bride that He's marrying. They are going to be the children of that, of that marriage. And this is what the counterfeit church has never understood. And many of us don't understand it either, as we should. And so he says, For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, and they are the first fruit, and they are still holy, the lamb is also holy. And if the root is holy... So are the branches, and the root is God himself. He's the root of chasing. And Israel are the branches, the natural branches. They are the tree. They are the ones that make the olive tree. But the root is God himself. And if some of the branches were broken off, he didn't say all of them, but some of them were broken off, because the majority of the people of God at this point are still children of Israel. So it says, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, you see, that's what God is doing. He's grafting them among them, not replacing them, not instead of them, not putting down the church and picking up, that is, putting down Israel and picking up the church. He's taking individuals from here and there. He gave a parable, but the ones that didn't want to come to the weddings, you know, the children of the kingdom. And so he told the servants, Well, you go into the highways and the byways and bring just anybody you find so the wedding can be prepared and ready. That's what he's talking about here. Still, the majority who were in the wedding were Israelites, children of the kingdom. Just some of them were not responding. And so he's calling others. And in the sense oh, the nation, the entirety of the nation was not responding as a whole. But many were, yet the entirety of the nation did not because of deception. And blindness and ignorance that were still there, and because of what the leaders were doing to them, leading them away from the truth, from the light, standing in the way and cutting, cutting them off, in that sense, from the root. And yet, nevertheless, God is going to bring back all of them. And so, He's speaking now about a temporary condition. And if some of the branches, He says in verse 17, were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree with them, not instead of them. Do not, he said, boast against the branches. Why would he have to tell them that unless they were doing it? And that's exactly what they've been doing for the last 2,000 years, boasting. And to this very day, many in our midst without even realizing realizing it, that's what we're doing when we're saying God put down Israel and picked up the church. And some come up with this doctrine which they have heard long time ago from the false churches, that the people of God were the people of God until the day that Christ came on the scene and then he preached to them and then he died and once he died, that was it. They're gone. Now we are the church. Now we are his people. They're no longer the church. We are the church. Where did they get that? Not from God. And so he says to them, because he saw that, that uh, spirit among the Gentiles... Not among the children of Israel, but among the Gentiles. He didn't find it in the churches of Judea. He found it among the Gentiles who were ignorant, who were blind, who did not know and understand as they should. They had partial knowledge. Like sophomores, they think they know it all. And they began boasting against the people of God, against the tree, the natural branches. And so he said, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, which they did, remember that you do not support the root. But the root supports you. And you will say then, Branches the were broken off that I may be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty. You see, that's how far they were going in their attitude and in that spirit. And when people have haughtiness, they are not people of God. They have to get rid of that. At least, not in that area, there are people of God. In other words, they do not act godly. And so, if we are people of God, either at that time or this time, we should not be haughty against the people of God and boast and claim that God put them down and picked us up. We're better than they are. No, we are not. If we happen to be among the Gentiles, among the nations, we're not better than they are. God just had grace on us, and He gave us faith, and we followed and believed. But their time will come too. And so he wants them to think from the point of view of God. To understand the history of the church of God from his point of view. The way he wrote it, not the way they came up with. And the perversion that they began to inject into it. And therefore they began to boast and became even haughty about it. You can imagine what kind of an attitude is that? And that's exactly what they had in the past 2,000 years. They constantly put down the people of God. At least the people that they knew are the people of God, the Jews. Not realizing that there is the entirety of the house of Israel, and ironically, many of them were haughty and boasting themselves were Israelites, not knowing who they are, and were acting like Gentiles and thinking like Gentiles and believe that they are. And so he says in verse 19 again, You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. And they did not realize what God was doing, as he said, through Moses. He's just bringing them to. His own people to envy and to jealousy so that they will return to their God. And they did not understand that because they had no knowledge as they should of the Torah and of the prophets. And so I said, Well, said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you sin by faith. Do not be haughty but fear. And when people are haughty, they do not fear God. But it's for if God did not spare the natural branches, they are the natural branches, he may not spare you either. And people who act like that and feel like that, and if we, you know there are those among us who feel that way, as Paul would say otherwise, take heed lest you fall. God does not allow pride and haughtiness in his kingdom, in his presence. Boasting. There is nothing we can boast about, whatever God gave us, we can never take the credit for it. And we are, if we are obedient and we walk by faith, we cannot take the credit for it. All the credit belongs to God. We can never boast about it and say, I'm holier than thou. Verse 22, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fail, severity, that's temporary, but toward you, goodness. So be appreciative of the goodness and pray for the others that they too will receive that goodness. And so if you continue in his goodness he said, otherwise you also will be cut off. So you cannot go on being boastful and haughty and believing lies because to say that God replaced them, you know, broke them off the brother tree and grafted us in instead of them, which he wasn't doing like that at all. He was just adding them, the Gentiles, the individual that he was calling adding them to the commonwealth of Israel to cause these people to envy and to jealousy, to return to their own root. Because they are the natural branches. And they also, verse 23, if they do not continue in unbelief, which they will not, because God already promised from the beginning of time from Moses that he's going to bring them back, and he's going to circumcise their heart, and he's going to blot out all their iniquities and sins, and they shall be his people... So, they will, he said, they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. And the lie began to get worse and worse and worse to the point where they said, well, all the, all, all the people of God, and they were thinking in terms of the Jews only, they said, oh, go to hell because they didn't believe in Christ. Because they misunderstood statements, being ignorant, that all those who do not believe shall be condemned. So, that's what they say. You've got to be condemned to hell. So, since they see the Jewish people to this very day, which they think are oh, the entirety of the house of Israel, not believing in Christ and their Savior and their God, they think they're all going to hell. And that's the way they feel about it. Others who have a little bit better of an understanding realize that the Jews will be brought back to God, and so they think, well, well, let's do everything we can to bring them back and convert them to Christianity. Because then we can have salvation for all mankind. You know. And uh, others say, well, who cares about them? They're all going to hell. And all that based on, on these lies and deceptions that Paul is discussing here. And some of us have that same attitude to the people of God that are recognized still as the people of God, Judah. They are part of the people of God, they are not all. And so he says in verse 24. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, which is Israel, the commonwealth of Israel, that's the church of God, that's the olive tree, this is the people of God, that's the wife of God, that's the bride of God. Even though all of them have not been redeemed yet, but God already said, he who calls things which are not as though they are, that he's going to redeem them, and they are his wife. They are the bride of Jesus Christ. They are the bride in the making. As it is, every generation God calls few more. More and more and more every generation. Many of them are the children of Israel. So the process is not over yet. And these Gentiles were not aware of that. So they began to boast and become haughty about it. And Paul warned them not to have this kind of an attitude because God will get rid of them too. And so he says, For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are, not who were, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? That's their own olive tree. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant. And that's what the problem is into this very day. Many of the people of God are ignorant, and because of that they begin to boast and are haughty against the people of God. And to begin with, those of us who are Israelites should realize we are all the people of God, should not even have this attitude to begin with. And yet many do. So they said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. As I told them, uh, the Gentiles in Corinth, the same thing. Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant, because, in essence, you are ignorant of the history of our fathers, of Israel, of the olive tree, of the natural branches, of the true church of God, the people of God, El, the body of witnesses of God that God commissioned to be, and he had never rejected them, and that's their commission forever, to be the witnesses of God. And told them, I don't want you to be ignorant, as we refer to many times. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. He says, Our fathers, not yours, you know, you're Gentiles, and at a part of that tree, you were grafted into it. But our fathers, children of Israel, all the 12 tribes, they were baptized unto Moses long before you ever heard about the, the doctrine of baptism. That was 1,500 years ago they were baptized unto Moses. People think baptism came 2,000 years ago as a new doctrine. He says, They were baptized unto Moses in the water and the cloud and they all ate that spiritual drink, and all, that is, all ate that spiritual food and drank that spiritual drink, and they all, all of them, not some of them, he said all of them followed that spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. People have a difficulty understanding the deity of Christ. Here it is, the God of Israel, very plainly made. And so Israelites were the first to follow Christ. In other words, they are the first Christians. You know, Christian means to follow Christ. They are the first one that followed Him. It doesn't mean they followed Him in righteousness, in faith, in obedience. No more than many who call themselves Christians and are Christians follow Him in, in faith and righteousness all the way. We're all sinful, to one degree or the other. We've got our weaknesses and shortcomings. As Paul said, the apostle, at the prime of his life, Walking with Christ, O oh, wretched man that I am, he said, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? So we cannot think that we are better than the Apostle Paul. I should not think that we are better than the people, people of God, even though they've got their problems. God is going to grab them back. They are his people, his natural tree, his church, his wife, his people. And the Gentiles among us, who are Gentiles, that is, genuinely Gentiles, not the ones who think they are when they are Israelites as I mentioned, who are the Israelites. And there are a lot of uh, books out there that will tell you exactly who are the Israelites. And basically, as I mentioned before that, all the northwestern uh, Europeans are Israelites, minus is Germany and Austria. And then the English people, the, all uh, the same people, and all the anglo saxons people, and of course the people of Judah, who are scattered all around the earth. These are the children of Israel, and all of them are not Gentiles, and many of them think they are. And so we should all remember the history of God and the Church of God from the point of view of God, the way he recorded it himself, either in person, speaking through Moses and the prophets or the apostles, or say his servants have recorded that. And Paul is taking the pains here you know, in detail to explain that matter to people who are obviously ignorant of the history of Israel, and therefore boastful, and therefore haughty and arrogant about it. That's how far they went, and he warned them, God is going to get rid of you, if you continue in this attitude. And what happened after he died, and even before he died, when he said the mystery of the does does already work? Well, that attitude took root in the false church that became a false church. It didn't begin as such. Some of them had the truth, were members of God, and yet became haughty and boastful and arrogant, and God cut them off. As Paul warned them that he would do if they continue in that attitude. And so they created their own church. They called it the Gentile Church, the True Church, the Mother Church, the Holy Church, and all those things. Words of blasphemy, as God calls it. And to this very day, they rule over nations and tongues and peoples, as you read in Revelation 17 and other places. That's why they earned the title, by God himself, the Great Whore, the Mother of Harlots. All the churches that came out of it, basically the Protestant churches. And all the subdivisions of it, and God is going to bring utter destruction on that, on that church. And that's why He warns His people: you come out of it, come out of these lies and these deceptions, and all this haughty, you know, attitude and boastful attitude and arrogant attitude against the people of God. When your ignorance is, you know, you say that God put down Israel and picked up the church not understanding what you're saying, what you're speaking, having no knowledge, and no understanding as you should. You have partial knowledge and understanding, but not fullness of it. You don't know the whole story as you should. That's what Paul is addressing here. People of God who didn't have the whole story and therefore became arrogant and boastful. And he told them, you better fear God. He's going to cut you off if you continue to behave like that. And yet that became the major doctrine of the church. The false church, the counterfeit church. We are the people of God. And God put you down. And so he tells them that very plainly. In uh, verse 25 again, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion or in your own conceit. And that's how far they went. He says that blindness, in part, just in part, you see, the people is talking about at the time specifically is, the Jewish people. But as he went among the children of Israel, as the apostles went among the children of Israel, they had to deal with the same issue. When Gentiles were being called also into the church, and of course, the Israelites, tribes of Israel that they went to, and so some of them began to boast also. That story was being repeated everywhere the apostles went. And all them had to be warned that only blindness fell in part. They still retain a measure of knowledge and understanding, be it the children of Israel, the, you know, the ten, ten tribes, or more, more specifically the people of Judah. They still retain much knowledge and understanding. And so they had the zeal of God. They had the temple. They had the sacrifices. They had the Sabbath and the holidays. They had the Torah. They had the prophets. They had the writings. They had the oracles. They had all those things. They weren't blind or partly blind. That's what he says. Blindness, in part, has happened to Israel, and he's speaking about the entirety of the hands of Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. God is allowing now the Gentiles. They have a free right, so to speak, in the world. That's why he allows the counterfeit church to take over and to dominate even his own people and martyr them and, and destroy them. But he allows them a period of time because Israel departed from him and so he's putting them on the shelf, so to speak, and he allows them to be in that underdog position. But then he's going to bring them back when the end of the Gentiles is come. And then that's what Paul is saying. God is going to restore all of his people. And so in verse 26, he makes it very plain. And so all... All, not some, not few, but all Israel, all the church, the church of God, the wife of God, the bride of God, the people of God, the house of Jacob, to whom he swore, and he did to Abraham and to Isaac, and God is not a liar, and people make him a liar, people in our midst make God a liar, when they make that statement, when they begin to boast and are haughty and arrogant, and say that God put down Israel and picked up the church, you know. And no more. After he died, that's it. i no longer his people. We are his people. We are the church. God makes it very plain through the apostle Paul. All Israel will be saved as it is written. And now he's quoting what God said through the prophets. And Paul is not the first one to say it. Moses is the first one to say it. And Abraham knew it. And that's why he looked forward so did Isaac and Jacob, to a time when a city will be built whose builder is not men but God. And in that city, his children would dwell, the children of Israel, that came out of the body of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And who knows how much God told him about that city, as we read later on. And we find out, as we continue with the story, that God long in advance already planned that city, and planned the gates, Well, that city is being 12 gates with the names of the children of Israel on it, making it very plain. He never intended to forsake them. He was marrying them forever. And when the Gentiles were boasting and are arrogant and haughty about it, well, God told them through, Paul, you better repent or else I'll get rid of you. Because you're just branches, wild olive branches, just some of you are being grafted among my people. If you think that you're going to replace my people, forget it. And so he says in in verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved as it is written, as God had written through the prophet Isaiah. The deliverer will come out of Zion. Who and what is the true church of God? Israel is the true church of God. Zion is the true church of God. And Zion is symbolic of the nation. And it's out of Zion that the delivery will come. As he came the first time, again he will come out of Zion. He will come to Zion, he will come to the Mount of Olives, he will come to his own people, he will save the tents of Judah first, not the nations, but the tents of Judah who are in the land, they're going to be saved first. Even before all the tribes of Israel and the people of Judah are scattered all around the earth, they're going to be saved. Because when he comes down there and he delivers them and he saves them from their enemies, and he pours the street of supplication and grace upon them, and they shall see him whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn, they shall be his people, then he's going to bring back all the rest of the, the children of Israel from all the lands, including all the people of Judah, from everywhere. And people do not know the whole story, become boastful and arrogant and haughty. And so it says the deliverer will come out of Zion. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins, long ago he said that, and he will bring it to pass. And anybody who says contrary is a liar. That's what Paul says, let God be true and every man a liar. There are too many liars out there, and we should not be liars, even if it is because of Ignorance. And so concerning the gospel, in verse 180, he says, they are enemies for your sake. That is concerning the tzorah, that is the tidings. Another called it gospel, which is not a biblical word. didn't come from the Bible. It's tzorah, which means tidings. I should have translated that to tidings. That would be more correct and more understandable. So concerning the tidings, they are enemies for your sake. And what are the tidings that the deliverer is coming out of Zion is going to bring... Salvation not only to Israel, but to the whole earth. That's what the tidings are all about. And deliverance to all of humanity. Even to the dead. And so it says, concerning the tidings, they are enemies for your sake. Well, temporarily only. But concerning the election, the choosing, that God had chosen them forever, never to forsake them, yes, punish them now and then, but the election remains. Because God never changes his mind. And so it says, concerning the election, the choosing, God chose Israel. You only, he said. Only. You only. These are the words of God himself. The God of Israel. The Savior of Israel. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. And yet people make God a liar. Want to speak otherwise. And so he says concerning the election. That's what he's talking here. The choosing. The fact that he chose them only as his church. His wife. All the rest are going to be children. They're not going to be the church. They're not going to be the wife. You see? They're not going to be the body of witnesses that is the wife of God. They will be the children. And therefore also witnesses as children, but not as a wife. Children can never aspire to be the wife. As it is in biology and physical nature and all that. So it is spiritually. The children will never become the wife. The wife is Israel, and God says, You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth to be in this position. That's what he's saying. Concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Why? Because God loved their fathers, and he made a covenant with them, and he swore to them that they and their descendants shall be his people forever. His particular people, his wife. A precious people. That's what God told them when he brought them out of Egypt. I'll make you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's what he's speaking about. Not all the nations of the earth. Not the so-called the church. Made of all the nations of the earth. But Israel and the few grafted from among the nations. But only few. But the wife will be Israel. And so he says in verse 29. For the gifts and calling of Elohim, of God, are irrevocable. So people should not call God a liar. And the words of God are very plain from the beginning until the end. So if you want to study the history of the church, begin from Genesis 1-1. Then go to Revelation. And you can read the whole story as God told that story. And then you can fill in some details in the past 2,000 years, historic details. But if you don't know the history from the beginning until the end, as God told it, then you go to history, you really don't get what you're, you're reading. You don't really understand it. You cannot place it properly within that pattern, the blueprint that God gave of His people, the history of His people, the wife of God, the election that is irrevocable. And so He makes it very plain for the gifts and the calling of, the, of Elohim. He's the one that called them and He's, he's, he's taking these people of Israel and He's giving them to His Son as a bride, as a wife, no one else. And when God comes down with heaven in Jerusalem and dwells in their midst, this is what he's speaking about, the people of Israel. And they're going to have all the nations as their children. Or going to remain in their places where they are, all around the earth. That will become like the Garden of Eden. Just like all the children that come later on after the marriage... Uh, they sleep in all uh, the different rooms in the house. But they, they do not enter into the bedchamber of the bridegroom and the bride. That is the husband and the wife. That's not their room. That's off limits to them. They can come visit, but they don't stay there. And so that's what he says. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to Elohim, to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience... Because that's the reason why God called you to make them in and envious. And that's how you snuck in, so to speak. That's how God brought you in. Or if they have not been obedient, they will never be in this position now, grafted into the Commonwealth of Israel. Because they would have been fulfilling their purpose. There would be no need for that. Verse 31. Even so, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown to you, they also may obtain mercy. Not through you, but through the mercy that God gave you, just like as he gave you and shown you that mercy, the same kind of mercy is also going to be applicable to them. So what is it that the Gentiles wanted? And for the, past, for the next 2,000 years, uh, they made that very clear. They wanted mercy and grace. For themselves, not for the people of God. That's why they trampled all over them and butchered them and martyred them whenever they could. And told them, you're the children of the devil, you go to hell. God chose us, we are his people, we are his church. That's why the fury of God is going to be poured, and that's what you read in Revelation. It's a fury that is going to pour in specific on the great whore and the harlots. Specifically in Europe, the center of it. And then all the nations of the earth will learn and understand and fear. And will not be arrogant and haughty anymore against the people of God. And so that's what he says. Through that mercy, the same mercy that he had shown you and the same grace, he's going to show it to them. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he has concluded them in unbelief. That he might have mercy on all. That's the reason why they're blinded. Yes, because they were disobedient. And God says, okay, that's the way you want it. I'm going to blind you, in other words. I'm not going to reveal to you uh, my, my entire plan of salvation and all that. Because if you knew it and you rejected it, I'll have to cast you away totally. And so in, in his great mercy toward them, he concluded them in unbelief. And he put a veil on their face. That's what he told Isaiah. This is what I wanted you to do now because of their disobedience. You could put a veil on their face. So that with their eyes, they're going to see, but they would not be able really to, to see and we're not going to be able to hear or understand. You see, God is the one that did it. Of course, they don't know it, they don't understand it. How can you understand it until God opens your eyes to see? That this is of God. He is the one that did it. And so, when He's ready to remove it, all of them, that's what He said, when He comes down and appears before them on the Mount of Olives, they shall see Him. They're not going to be blind anymore. He's going to open their eyes because He's going to give them the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will acknowledge their sin and iniquity and will not claim more, while we are not responsible for it. Yes, they are. All of Israel is. The whole earth is. And so they are going to become His people again. And so He says, God committed them. He is the one that did it. Elohim, the Father. He is the one that did it. All in disobedience, in unbelief, that is. No faith. No understanding. No comprehension. Even though they read it. In front of them. That he might have mercy on all. And he wants the Gentiles who are ignorant, unfortunately, and boastful and arrogant at this point, who are members of the body of Christ, grafted into it, boasting against the whole entire family of God, the family of Israel, the people of Israel, the wife of God. Just like Hagar and, uh, and Ishmael began to do, because Sarah couldn't have children, and Sarah takes Hagar and gives her as a handmaid to her husband so he can have a child, according to the customs of the time. Well, now that she has a child, she begins to boast against her mistress, Sarah. And what happened to her? That's exactly what Paul is warning the Gentiles. What happened to her? She was cast away. And when Sarah wanted that, and Abraham didn't want to, God told him, listen to your wife. In essence, he said, throw her out. I'm going to bless her and bless her child, yes. But she doesn't belong here. And you know, God does not allow this kind of an attitude in his presence. God resists the proud, yet he gives grace to the humble. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to them. You better be humble and meek. And appreciate the goodness of God and not be boastful and proud because you'll be cast away just like Hagar and her son were cast away from the family of Abraham. And yet God still had mercy on them. And so that's what he's saying here. He says, God concluded them in unbelief, but he's going to have mercy on them all. So you don't boast in the meantime. He says, oh, the depth and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, of Elohim. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Yet, had they studied the story of the church of God from the beginning until the end, they would have understood it. And they would not have been arrogant and haughty and boastful and many of us in our midst aren't going to be the same as we are to this very day. And we think, well, God put down Israel, those Jews, we're thinking you know, of those Jews. We should have known it's all of Israel, and we know it, we should know it. Because we know who, that we are Israelites, many of us. And so Paul is telling them, all oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And yet God commanded us, To dig very deeply into the scriptures. To hunger and thirst. To study. To prove all things. To understand and to know. And had the Gentiles bothered to do that, they would not have been haughty and arrogant and boastful. And none of us should be either. And here it is for so many uh, decades we've been around here. Studying the Bible, knowing all those things. And yet the majority of God's people today don't even know who uh, the true church of God is. As we should. We have partial knowledge and understanding. And so that's why many of us are believing that. And so all swallowed that lie that we, you know, the Church of God is made now for all the nations of the earth. God, you know, for for His people because they were rebellious. Yes, He's going to deliver them physically. But they are no longer going to be His, his people uh, as we are going to be. In other words, in the sense of the Church, we are the Church. And we're going to be the bride and so forth. And yet God made it very plain from the beginning of the story to the end. That he chose Israel. He swore to their fathers. He made a covenant with them. He would not change that covenant. He does not repent. Those kind of gifts are irrevocable. They are forever. And he prepared the de- destiny of Israel for eternity. And he planted their names long in advance. In the holy city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And even the twelve tribes of Israel who are going to be there are going to have also men from their own midst. The apostles are going to have also a name in the holy city. are going to be the foundations named after the twelve disciples of Christ who are also Israelites. So the story was very plain for those who have eyes to see. But for those who don't, that's what happens. They become boastful and arrogant. And Paul... Is taking the pain here to explain to them so they would not be that kind of people. Otherwise, they will be cut off, just like Hagar was being cast away. And Ishmael, because they become, became arrogant and began to boast against the inheritor. And that's what Sarah said. This son of the hand man is not going to inherit with my son. You see, because he's the true inheritor. To him, the promises were given long before he was born, not to somebody else. And so when God allowed others uh, in, for whatever reason, they should be humble and meek and be thankful for that, and not begin to boast against a natural inheritor. So it's the same story here, in essence. So it says in verse 34, for who has known the mind of the eternal, or who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid for him? In other words, God made very plain what His intentions are for His people, and nobody's going to alter that, and nobody's going to add to it, and nobody's going to tell Him what to do. Verse 36 For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. And the emphasis of this whole matter is Israel, the people of God, the twelve tribes, the people of the covenant, Adat El the body of witnesses, the wife of God, the church of God, and so forth. And yet, had the Gentiles been humble, and meek, and men of truth, they would have never rejected that in generations to come. And yet they did. And so they became the great whore, and the counterfeit church, and the Babylon that God tells us and commands us to come out of. And so when you understand that, you understand also Many things, because our entirety of the theology of the so-called the Christian world is based on lies, on deceptions, and if we believe that lie, well, our theology also is mixed up. That's the reason why people in our midst, who are the people of God, have resentment toward the Torah, the law of God, the teachings of God, the instructions of God, and, and they say like the ones that, out of which they came, you know, the different churches. Oh, well, don't preach to me the Old Testament. Preach to me the New Testament. I want grace. And people get resentful when they begin to tell them about Moses, about the prophets. They want to hear about that. Just give me you know, spiritual truth. And thing thing that comes only in what they call the New Testament. That's ignorance. That's what Paul said. I don't want you to be ignorant because you are. I don't want you to be haughty and boastful and all those things and arrogant. And that's unfortunately what people who do not know the whole story are. That's what the sophomore spirit is all about. The cliche that we constantly use, you know, sophomoric approach. He knows a little, he learns a little, now he thinks he knows it all. And that's the way he behaves. And there is no place for that among the people of God. And God resists the proud because that's the spirit of Satan. We should not be that kind of people. And that's what God says. You come out of this attitude, come out of these lies, come out of these deceptions come out of Babylon and are going to be partakers of the same plagues. and God is not going to have mercy on those who continue to think that way and believe that, that lie or other lies, regardless of how sincere they may be. And today, likewise, many of us are sincere, are devout people. Worship, we worship God, we love God, we love His ways, and we too should learn from that and take heed that we would not be in the same condition as those Gentiles were. Anyway, we're going to stop now. This is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the worldwide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has